Introductory section of The Way of the World by William Congreve. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Introductory section. Dedication, Prologue, and Dramatis Personae. Epigraph. Audire stoperai pretium, procedere recte qui maichis non vultis. Horace, Satires, Book One, Number Two, Line Thirty Seven. Metuat doti deprensa. Ibidem. Dedication. To the Right Honourable Rafe, Earl of Montague, etc. My lord, whether the world will arraign me of vanity or not, that I have presumed to dedicate this comedy to your ludship, I am yet in doubt, though it may be it is some degree of vanity even to doubt of it. One who has at any time had the honour of your ludship's conversation cannot be supposed to think very meanly of that which he would prefer to your perusal yet it were to incur the imputation of too much sufficiency to pretend to such a merit as might abide the test of your ludship's censure whatever value may be wanting to this play while yet it is mine will be sufficiently made up to it when it is once become your ludship's and it is my security that i cannot have overrated it more by my dedication than your ludship will dignify it by your patronage that it succeeded on the stage was almost beyond my expectation for but little of it was prepared for that general taste which seems now to be predominant in the palates of our audience those characters which are meant to be ridiculed in most of our comedies are of fools so gross that in my humble opinion they should rather disturb than divert the well-natured and reflecting part of an audience they are rather objects of charity than contempt and instead of moving our mirth they ought very often to excite our compassion this reflection moved me to design some characters which should appear ridiculous not so much through a natural folly which is incorrigible and therefore not proper for the stage as through an affected wit a wit which at the same time that it is affected is also false as there is some difficulty in the formation of a character of this nature so there is some hazard which attends the progress of its success upon the stage for many come to a play so overcharged with criticism that they very often let fly their censure when through their rashness they have mistaken their aim this i had occasion lately to observe for this play had been acted two or three days before some of these hasty judges could find the leisure to distinguish betwixt the character of a witwood and a true wit 
i must beg your lordship's pardon for this digression from the true course of this epistle but that it may not seem altogether impertinent i beg that i may plead the occasion of it in part of that excuse of which i stand in need for recommending this comedy to your protection it is only by the countenance of your lordship and the few so qualified that such who write with care and pains can hope to be distinguished for the prostituted name of poet promiscuously levels all that bear it terence the most correct writer in the world had a scipio and a lelius if not to assist him at least to support him in his reputation and notwithstanding his extraordinary merit it may be their countenance was not more than necessary the purity of his style the delicacy of his turns and the justness of his characters were all of them beauties which the greater part of his audience were incapable of tasting some of the coarsest strokes of plautus so severely censured by horace were more likely to affect the multitude such who come with expectation to laugh at the last act of a play and are better entertained with two or three unseasonable jests than with the artful solution of the fable as terence excelled in his performances so had he great advantages to encourage his undertakings for he built most on the foundations of menander his plots were generally modelled and his characters ready drawn to his hand he copied menander and menander had no less light in the formation of his characters from the observations of theophrastus of whom he was a disciple and theophrastus it is known was not only the disciple but the immediate successor of aristotle the first and greatest judge of poetry these were great models to design by and the further advantage which terence possessed towards giving his plays the due ornaments of purity of style and justness of manners was not less considerable from the freedom of conversation which was permitted him with lelius and scipio two of the greatest and most polite men of his age and indeed the privilege of such a conversation is the only certain means of attaining to the perfection of dialogue if it has happened in any part of this comedy that i have gained a turn of style or expression more correct or at least more corrigible than in those which i have formerly written i must with equal pride and gratitude ascribe it to the honour of your lordships admitting me into your conversation and that of a society where everybody else was so well worthy of you in your retirement last summer from the town for it was immediately after that this comedy was written if i have failed in my performance it is only to be regretted where there were so many not inferior either to a scipio or a lelius 
that there should be one wanting equal in capacity to a terence if i am not mistaken poetry is almost the only art which has not yet laid claim to your lordship's patronage architecture and painting to the great honour of our country have flourished under your influence and protection in the meantime poetry the eldest sister of all arts and parent of most seems to have resigned her birthright by having neglected to pay her duty to your lordship and by permitting others of a later extraction to prepossess that place in your esteem to which none can pretend a better title poetry in its nature is sacred to the good and great the relation between them is reciprocal and they are ever propitious to it it is the privilege of poetry to address them and it is their prerogative alone to give it protection this received maxim is a general apology for all writers who consecrate their labours to great men but i could wish at this time that this address were exempted from the common pretence of all dedications and that as i can distinguish your lordship even among the most deserving so this offering might become remarkable by some particular instance of respect which should assure your lordship that i am with all due sense of your extreme worthiness and humanity my lord your lordship's most obedient and most obliged humble servant will congreve prologue of those few fools who with ill stars are cursed sure scribbling fools called poets fare the worst for they're a sort of fools which fortune makes and after she has made em fools forsakes with nature's oafs tis quite a different case for fortune favours all her idiot race in her own nest the cuckoo eggs we find o'er which she broods to hatch the changeling kind no portion for her own she has to spare so much she dotes on her adopted care poets are bubbles by the town drawn in suffered at first some trifling stakes to win but what unequal hazards do they run each time they write they venture all they've won the squire that's buttered still is sure to be undone this author heretofore has found your favour but pleads no merit from his past behaviour to build on that might prove a vain presumption should grants to poets made admit resumption and in parnassus he must lose his seat if that be found a forfeited estate he owns with toil he wrought the following scenes but if they're not ne'er spare him for his pains damn him the more 
have no commiseration for dullness on mature deliberation he swears he'll not resent one hissed-off scene nor like those peevish wits his play maintain who to assert their sense your taste arraign some plot we think he has and some new thought some humour too no farce but that's a fault satire he thinks you ought not to expect for so reformed a town who dares correct to please this time has been his sole pretence he'll not instruct lest it should give offence should he by chance a knave or fool expose that hurts none here sure here are none of those in short our play shall with your leave to show it give you one instance of a passive poet who to your judgments yields all resignation so save or damn after your own discretion dramatis personae men fain all in love with mrs marwood read by dublin gothic mirabel in love with mrs millamant and patrick wallace read by peter bishop whitwood follower of mrs millamant read by duncan pugh petulant follower of mrs millamant read by martin geeson sir wilful whitwood half-brother to whitwood and nephew to lady wishfort read by bob gonzales waitwell servant to mirabel read by nigel boydell servant coachman footman messenger read by phil chenevere narrator read by algie pug women lady wishfort enemy to mirabel for having falsely pretended love to her read by mill nicholson mrs millamant a fine lady niece to lady wishfort and loves mirabel read by liberty stump mrs marwood friend to mr fainall and likes mirabel read by goldfish mrs fainall daughter to lady wishfort and wife to fainall formerly friend to mirabel read by carol box foible woman to lady wishfort read by Mulane. mincing woman to mrs millamant read by darvinia scene london the time is equal to that of the presentation end of introductory section of the way of the world by william congreve